Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Yeah, this is Caputo. And I guess we're doing a little intro thing for the mic. Uh, evil Cheshire Kitty Cat or something. Hey, yo, it's the Gigantosaurus Rex on this. Kabuto spitting vermin like it was an exodus. This direction this with the tricks up my wrist. Like a magic show, obviously oblivious. Wait, it's not uh, Casper, uh, uh, Kabuto. That's actually what the name of the show is. Wait, I did. I guess you know what did I do wrong. Here, let me try. Okay, Matt Hatter on the track like a cyclone. Yeah. Fresh IRL like a paper set in pine cone. <laughs> on the track, obviously, because I got this. Uh. Opening, obviously, oblivious. Wait, what? Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. I was actually kind of thinking more like, more like, obviously, you must be oblivious. Sleeping dragon, no such thing as coincidence. Shire cat with a sexy cool My big throw the mic cause he still fucking rules Got a new show and a little bit of time To show you what it's like without a number one mind Bring a few friends, maybe a brew or two Let the obviously oblivious into you Obviously oblivious With the mic and evil Shire cat I actually think Kudo's part was the best Make that the whole intro. Don't even put music to it. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the obviously oblivious zone. Sound of a bus pulling up and then the bus door opening. Okay, you guys, you're here. Get out. Uno Shato says. What? This place is a fucking dump. The invitation clearly says we'd be invited to a podcrafting luxury retreat, not some bobo refurbished summer camp for retard kids. Um, well... Uno starts to answer. Oh, look, it's a beach by the lake. Oh my god, where? There. Oh, awesome, let's go swimming. Hope says, grabbing her bag and getting off the bus. Right behind you, Hope. I'm going to bring some wine. Cat calls out, falling with her bag. Oh, you brought wine? This is going to be the best retreat ever. Hope yells excitedly. Oh, indeed. Well, okay, this place better have a smoker and a barbecue grill, goddammit. 
Eric says under his breath as he climbs off the bus with his bag. The mic stops as he passes and pats Unashada on the shoulder. Sorry, man. He's a fucking prima donna. Nah, it's okay. I love your show, man. I'm, I'm a fan. Of course you are, bro. You're welcome. Mike says carrying his bag. Thanks, dude I've never heard of. Says Troy. No problem, Troy. Greetings, everyone. I shall be your camp counselor. Just call me Paul. Oh, I see the girls have already started swimming. And that's fine. Hey, guys. I have taken it upon myself to provide you with a 72-inch flat screen set up in the cabin, accessorized with an Xbox and a keg. Now, dinner's going to be ready real soon. I'm just going to go check on the staff, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Thanks, Polly, and uh, thanks for the invite here to this little retreat, dude. Yeah, seriously, thanks, Uncle Polly. You're quite welcome, my friends. You know, I won the D to this place, playing in a poker game with Kitten Sparks and Shannon from the Geek Show. And then I decided to turn it into a retreat for us podcrafters. And of course, for the grand opening, I had to invite all of my friends up here. That's cool. I heard the Viceroy might make an appearance as well. Uh, well, unfortunately, like usual, he's got to phone this one in. He couldn't make it. What are you going to do? Troy disappears into his cabin for five seconds and instantly comes back out wearing only a yellow banana hammock and flip-flops. Oh, hey, yo, yeah, Troy, is it? You forgot your shorts, Junior. No, I didn't. I got all this to share with the world, baby. Why not get it all out in the open, know what I mean? Oh, really? Well, unless you're trying to share a peristaltic chain reaction of global vomiting, I think you missed the mark, pal. Uh, You're just jealous that those girls down there are going to be drooling over all this. About this time, Cat and Hope see him coming and burst into wails of laughter. Oh god, it's like there's bad movies where the dude is completely humiliating himself yet remains blissfully ignorant of the fact that he's a total tool. (laughs) Uh. What a fucking goofball. How can he not know he will be the laughingstock all weekend for this? You, You know I can hear you, right? Oh, we know. We were hoping you'd take the hint, though. Sadly, I guess not. Ah, that is so humorous, I've defecated in my pants. What makes you two think that anyone wants to see you wriggling around in bikinis on those inner tubes? I'm sorry, did you really just ask that? Cat asks, flabbergasted at the audacity of such a question. Are you, um, gay, Troy? Troy dismisses Hope with a flamboyant wave of his hand. Eric wanders down onto the beach. Whoa, what's up there, fruit salad? (laughs) You're all so mean. Troy says, laying down on a towel and getting out a romance novel to read. Yeah? Well, you're mean on the eyes. Eric says. Hey, Eric, you getting in? Hope calls out. Me? No, I'm just wandering around looking for the smoker. And no, not you, you pole smoker. Eric says, kicking some sand at Troy, who is ignoring him. Um, did you try behind the cabin? Cat asks, pointing toward the cabin with her bottle of wine. Oh. Good idea. See you later, girls. Meaning you, Troy. Eric says and walks off, mumbling something about it. Better not be propane. That should better not be propane. Oh, God, fuck. Eric walks up past the cabin, and around the back there's a flat slab of concrete with a huge grown smoker set up with a massive pile of pine and applewood. 
To the side of the slab is a huge stump with an axe embedded deep into it, obviously there for splitting the wood. Oh man, look at this business, dude. Sweet. Mike says coming around the corner. Oh yeah. Eric says picking up the axe and eyeing the cords of wood appreciatively. Paul comes around the corner with a trio of dark-skinned, raven-haired fellows in shirts that all say, Hi, I work here, on them. And seeing the guys there, he stops and says something to them in a quick burst of a language that neither Mike nor Eric recognize. The trio of men hurry off. What the fuck was that? Mike asks. Sounded like he just ordered some tube steak. <laughs> stump. Eric says laughing as he picks up the log of applewood and sets it up on its end on the stump. Eric pries the axe from the stump and raising it up on high slams it down again, splitting the applewood log into two with ease. Nothing like a sharp axe to make a weekend entertaining, I always say. Oh yeah, I concur. There is a growl from behind them. Eric turns brandishing the axe as a wolf pads out of the woods, its teeth bared in a snarl. A gun goes off, just as something shining spins end over end past Eric's face. The wolf falls to the ground in a burst of blood and gore with the machete splitting its skull all the way to its spine and one eye blown out the back of its head by a bullet. Looking around, Eric watches Mike put the huge forty-four Magnum back into its holster on his belt. Paul goes over and pries his machete out of the beast's head, and wiping it on some leaves, he puts it back into the sheath on his back. I didn't know you had a gun, Mike. Eric says. Uh, me either, says Paul. I like Mother Nature well enough, but she just needs to keep a fucking distance from me. Mike replies with a smile. South, and I'm pretty sure that was a gunshot. Cat says. Yeah, old Annie Oakley over here got himself some target practice. What the hell? Hope asks. Yeah, there was a wolf over there trying to get frisky, and old Dirty Harry here had to plug a hole in its head while Machete had to try to show him up. Eric tells her, nodding to Mike and then Paul. The trio of men return with Trace piled high with steaks and bratwurst. Right on, it's time to start the feast. Eric says with glee. You have a gun? Hope asked curiously. Dude, I never would have pictured you with a gun in a million years. Like I said, Mother Nature is cool and all, but that bitch needs to stay the fuck away from me. Mike replies. Didn't he just say that joke? (laughs) No, not really. Although the first one was better. (laughs) Your ad-libs are weak, sir. Mine ad-libs are not weak, but asking me the same questions over and over again will usually get you the similar answers. (laughs) What are you, the fucking Sphinx? No, the Sphinx just sits there all day doing fucking shit. I do everything. I got powers of mind, and I carry a gun. A swarthy, curly-haired Samoan walks up with a basket of oils under his arm. Oh, hi. Uh, everyone, this is the guy that I hired to give us all massages this weekend. He left me this really sweet note under my windshield wiper with all his contact information. And here he is. Oh, it's you. I always knew I would find you again. Now we can get to know each other much better. And he was, you never, ah! The man begins to say he is cut off partway by Hope, stepping forward with a bottle of pepper spray and emptying it out in his face. The man drops to the ground, screaming, ah! Clawing at his eyes and nose in the colossal agony. Stay the fuck away from me, douchebag, Hope says. See, Cat, that's how you deal with a guy who approaches you in public. Mike explains, gesturing to the man who is now bleeding from his eyes, nose, and mouth. Oh, but can't he sue her for assault now? 
No, he approached her and maliciously gave her a note with full intentions of trying to bone down on her. Fuck that guy. Eric says, adding a kick in the balls to his already horrific suffering. Aw, that's a shame. Oh, well. I guess we're all going to just have to get Troy to give us back rubs. Huh? Someone say back rubs? Troy says, appearing like a genie from a lamp. (laughs) Holy shit. Stop that. Paul says, startled. Okay, now down to business. You guys get those steaks and brats on the smoker over there while I take out the trash here, dude. Eric says, picking up the still screaming man. Walking over to the stump, Eric lays the man's left hand across the top of it. Smiling, he raises up the axe and letting it poise for just one second, he lets it fall. The solid thunk of meat being chopped is heralded by another titanic scream of agony. Ah! Dragging the man forward a bit, Eric gets his arm across the stump up to his armpit. And again, the axe swings. And once more, it descends with a sickening slamming sound. The man's severed arm sprays blood in a terrific fountain coating the back wall of the cabin in red blots of gore. His heart pumps two more times and then slows down and only a trickle comes out on the next pump. Eric drags the corpse up onto the stump and once more the axe rises. Dunk. The severed head rolls off the stump and over the edge of the trees. Turning, the Mike looks at it and notices something else. He stares for a few seconds and then looks away and then back once again to be sure. The wolf corpse is gone. The serving guys finish loading the meat on the smoker and take off around the front of the cabin again. Hoping Cat watch for a bit longer as Eric chops the body into tiny dice bits and begins laughing as he realizes his beard, along with his shirt, is coated in thick, drying blood. They all begin chuckling at that, except Mike, who cannot stop looking over to the severed head of the massage guy, lying right where the corpse of the wolf should be. Okay. Now that that's settled, let's get some food cooking and some yinglings going. How's that sound, everybody? Now I'm game for that. Yeah, yeah, where's the cook at? Oh, it's, it's in the cabin. In the, in the kitchenette. Oh, all right. Word. Troy says, walking toward the corner. A scream erupts from within the cabin. They all take off running around the building. They get to the steps leading up to the deck and the front door of the cabin at the same time. There is a lot of jostling as then the three serving guys bust from the cabin and sprint for the bus. Everyone is hustling to look into the cabin and they all crowd the doorway. There in the cabin, hanging from the ceiling fan by the cord of an Xbox controller, is the bus driver, Uno Shato. Behind them, the bus roars into life. There's a tire squealing sound, and they all turn in time to see the three kitchen helpers in the bus driving away as fast as the bus can go. They watch it as it approaches the turn into the road leading back to the highway. The bus suddenly flies into the air as an explosive blast staggers them all back against the wall of the cabin. The bus turns on its side in midair and slams down on the road. Smoke rises from the bus as it slides to a stop in a grinding of metal. There are screams from the inside and one of the workers struggles out of one of the bus windows and as he gets halfway out, something seems to pick him up by the hair. There's a figure there in the smoke on top of the bus. The figure raises up the servant and suddenly, in a flash of steel, a machete lops the man's head off and the body topples to the bus and slides down the side onto the road, spurting copious amounts of blood everywhere. The figure on top of the bus is wearing a luchador mask, and for a split second it stands there holding the severed head on high, blood trickling out of it, and then just as suddenly as it appears, the figure fades away into the smoke, and it's gone. Did, uh, 
Did anybody else see that? Troy asks. Uh, yeah, I think so. If by seeing that, did you mean, did I just see a bus blow up and three people die under highly suspicious circumstances? If so, then yes, you absolutely did see that. The mic replies. Whatever. Suspicious? I didn't see anything suspicious. And that is precisely why you are not fit to be let out in public on your own. What? What do you mean by that? People die in terrible, gore-caked car crashes every day. I mean, why does there need to be something suspicious about it? Cat asks with a duh voice. Is this a ruse? Choi asks. What? That's not your line, dude. Hope says. Hey, just because I don't have the dulcet tones of painted black doesn't mean I can't use that line. Choi scoffs. No, actually, that is exactly why you cannot use that line. Oh, come on, man. Okay, wait. So somebody killed the bus driver, the bus is blown up, Wolves are attacking us from the woods, and we have no way to get back to civilization. And no one seems to be disturbed by this. Man, you're a worrywart, dude. You are talking like you were in a horror movie or some shit, dude. Yeah, horror movies suck. If this was a horror movie, there would be something like a biker gang riding up right now telling us to get the fuck out. Or they would kill us. (laughs) Oh. A roaring sound rises in the distance. A horde of motorcycles comes around the corner and approaches towards the camp. They get to the exploded bus completely blocking the road, and they all yell loudly about something for a few minutes, and then, since they cannot get by, they all pathetically turn their bikes around and roar back off into the afternoon. Shrugging his shoulders, Eric turns back to the cabin door and glances in. Hey, that dude who drove the bus is dead. Bummer. What, dude? Hope asks. Just some guy, I thought, Paul says. Never heard of him. Troy replies. They called him One Shit, the mic says. Well, that's a better nickname than this guy, Freddy, that I knew in high school. Everyone called him Shit Sandwich. Why would they call him Shit Sandwich? I don't think I want to know the answer to that at all. Hope says, grabbing up her bottle of wine and heading for the lake again. Hey, wait up. Cat says, hurrying after her. Okay, time to go barbecue some dinner. Eric says as he takes off his Knuckles hoodie, revealing his t-shirt, which says Dawson's Creek Forever on it. Oh, God. Dawson's Creek. I fucking hated that show. Dude, you don't ever diss the creek in my presence, man. Never. Eric says in a low grumble, shaking his fist. (laughs) Okay, Grizzly Adams. Don't have a carmenary. Just go grill us up some chow now. Okay. Paul says. Eric grumbles to himself as he walks around the cabin to the grill and smoker out back. I Holy shit! Eric yells as he turns the corner behind the cabin. There on the ground beside the back porch of the cabin is a pentagram burning in the center of which rests the severed head of the Samoan massage guy. The head levitates off the ground and rotates around until it is looking right into Eric's eyes. The head says, its severed neck and tongue dripping blood and black bile. Who's Clyde? Don't play dumb with me, Clyde. You sold me beer from the time I turned 14 years old. And now I finally run into you in the social setting and you hat me up on a stump. Not exactly great at ensuring repeat business, are you, Clyde? The severed head asks him. Dude, you're not making any fucking sense. Eric begins saying, 
A gunshot rings out and a bullet slams into the floating head's forehead. The back of its head blows out, raining matter down on the fiery pentagram below. The mic lowers the gun and puts it back into his holster. When he notices the severed head is still floating there. You gotta be fucking kidding me. He has time to say before he is launched into the air and flipping end over end, he splashes down near the far side of the lake. Holy fuck. Eric begins as the eyes of the severed head shift back to him. No, not holy at all. The head mumbles. The pentagram glows brightly and the ground seems to shimmer as something forms within the confines of its shape. A shadow seems to form and solidify, pulling the smoke from the smoker into itself, coalescing into a form standing amidst the fires of the pentagram. The shape snaps into focus. It is a very tall, skinny man wearing what happens to be a Viking helmet. He holds a spear in his hand, which he uses to spike the severed head on. Smiling at the head as its eyes close for the final time, the man in the horn helmet opens his mouth to say something, his eyes looking at Eric. You, is all the man has time to say before a machete splits his skull to the teeth in an explosion of blood and brains. The skinny man falls to his knees and then topples over as blood jets from his cleft skull. The fires of the pentagram die out and the man seems to melt into the ground, leaving behind only a burned outline of his shape after a few seconds. Paul comes over and Greening picks up his machete and slits it into a sheath at his belt. Well, that is about enough of that shit. Huh? You bet, buddy. Eric says as he turns to the smoker and opens the lid. Eric takes a brush and a mug of beer from Paul and begins to brush beer onto the steak and brats. Paul smiles and turns towards the lake and begins to walk down to the shore. So then I said, hell no, you cannot have my number. And I ripped a little pad of paper from his hand and I threw it over his shoulder so he would have to go chase it. Kat says around a swig of wine from the bottle. Sure, yeah, you gotta be tough with these weirdos. It's like a guy sees some girl he likes and suddenly becomes this would-be rapist who would stop at nothing to get you alone somewhere. It's pretty creepy. Fucking A. Oh, hi, Paul. Cat says as Paul arrives on the beach. Hey, ladies. How you doing? Wait, where's Troy? I thought he was here with you still. Paul asks, looking around. Hmm, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him. Yeah, me neither. Not since the weird anonymous bus driver guy got hanged. Yeah, he he was kind of weird, wasn't he? Okay, I better go poke around, see if I can go find him. i see you girls later, Paul says, wandering off. Cat hands Hope back the bottle of wine and grins at her while Hope takes a long drink and kicks her feet in the water, splashing a bit on the inner tube. Holy shit! Paul yells. The girls both look at each other. This is like the sixth time someone has screamed. Will they never get a few minutes to just relax? They both kick their feet and make it to the beach. They stand up and run up the hill to the cabin. They see Paul standing on the side of the cabin, staring in horror at something. They each come around the corner of the cabin and see it. There is a body hung from the side of the cabin upside down. It is wearing a yellow blood-stained banana hammock, and it is split open from belly to chin. Entrails and blood pool underneath it, and its mouth is open in what appears to have been a scream of agony. How did we not hear this happen? Hope says, looking around her eyes wide, as she clutches her wine bottle to her like a safety blanket. Yeah, what the hell is going on, Paul? Cat exclaims. Yeah, and where's Eric? Hope says, looking around. He was out by the smoker just a second ago. Paul says, and turning, he hurries around the corner to the back of the cabin. 
Eric! Hope yells as she and Kat follow Paul. There. He was standing right there. Just two minutes ago. There's a massive blood stain on the concrete by the smoker like someone dragged something covered in blood over it. Hope stares at the stain and then to the blood-covered grill's lid. Her eyes darting back and forth from one to the other faster and faster. Her heart pounding in her chest louder and louder. Hey, what's all the screaming about? Eric says from behind them. Turning, Hope sees him standing there covered in barbecue sauce and holding a brush in his hand and a huge bowl of sauce in the other. She runs over and hugs him, getting liberally coated in sticky barbecue sauce, but not carrying one bit. Nothing. That guy Troy got killed. Cat responds. Aw, man, he was a cool guy. I liked him. Suddenly, a machete spears through both of them. They both scream in pain at the blade stabs them, holding them together like a shish kebab. Blood begins to spray from them both, and they fall to the ground in a sauce-coated bloody mess. As they bleed out, Cat stares down at them in horror. She cannot believe what just happened. She cannot take her eyes from the pair of them bleeding out on the ground at her feet. Then Paul stoops down and yanks the gore-coated machete from their bled-out bodies, and standing turns to face her. Well, Cat... It appears that you are the last one, Paul says as he wipes the blade off the towel and tosses it aside. But why? Why would you do this, Paul? Well, you could say that each of you owe me big time. Because I've been supporting your shows above and beyond the call of duty for years now. But really, when you get right down to it, it's about me. Hey, what can I say? I love that bitter taste of ultimate betrayal. That knowledge that they died at the, not the hands of some stranger or uh, some psycho, but by the hands of a man they considered to be a friend. (laughs) So it gives me joyous pleasure to say to you, Cat, it's time to die. Paul takes a swing at her, and Cat darts away, running, screaming around the side of the cabin and past the festering pile of guts from the corpse hanging there. Cat runs all out. She heads for the gravel road leading to the highway and pours on the speed. Glancing back as she follows the road around toward the smashed-up bus, she sees Paul back there, seeming to walk and yet still keeping up with her. Damn it. She gets to the bus and has to climb over it to get by as it's completely blocking the road. She grabs onto the side above her, and swinging her legs up, she reaches further and grabs a handhold and is pulling herself up when a shearing pain leaps from her leg. Rolling over on top of the overturned bus, she cries out as she sees that her left leg has been cut off just below the knee. Blood is jetting from the wound like a fire hose, and she screams and screams in the purest agony. The bus shakes as something lands over her head where she lies there. Looking up, She has just enough time to see the machete coming down toward her, and then blackness seems to pull her down into the darkness where there is no light. And that is that. I fucking win. Paul says happily. There's a thunderous boom, and Paul drops to the ground with a huge hole blown through his chest. No, Paul. I fucking win. And that is our story. Insanity rages deep within us all. It is paramount for us to deal with this internally and suppress the urges to kill our fellow humans. What you just heard is what happens when lunacy rears its ugly head in the obviously oblivious zone. <sighs> that's uh, anyway. So that's that. And um, 
we've been doing this for a while. I think we're Have all exhausted. editing that. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all exhausted. Um, I want to give a special thanks to Uno Shato who wrote the story, Eric Hope, Paul, Troy, and Harry Trucker, who uh, who provided their voice talent. Uh, thanks to uh, Dan and Kat for their acting prowess or their reading prowess, or I don't even know anymore. Dude, my brain really doesn't work. But <laughs> we did this for you for Halloween. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Double O. What is it? 3-2? Three one, Three, just one? like October thirty first. Oh, look at that! So I know thirty first show. Cat, do you have any of the contact information, the number and shit? Um, I do, but if you have to give me a split second. Okay, the number here is two zero six eight 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 six zero five two. You can also email us at orgasm oblivious dot com, and check out our Facebook. Said Cat. Yeah, and you can do it by just going to obviouslyoblivious.com and it takes you right to our Facebook page. Um, give us a call or leave us an email and let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, lucky for you, you heard the edited version. Thank God. But if you want to hear insanity that made me almost croak, then you're going to want to hear the supplement show. I'm going to give you guys the entire episode unedited. And really? There are oh, some God. pretty fucking funny parts that I think everybody will get a kick out of. So look forward to that in a couple days. I'm just going to wait like a day or two to release it uh, since there will be no editing for that one. And uh, that's it. 0031, uh, Dan Dizzle, Evil Cheshire Cat. This is Mike saying night. Happy Halloween. Night. <laughs>
what it do. What up? What up, everybody? This is Big Steven. Just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, my brother, the Mike, who's always there to lend a helping ear. And uh always call him when I need life decision questions and advice and everything. So just want to give the props to the man. He loves it. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys are back. Uh, I love the new sounds. It sounds awesome. At the beginning of the call, Cat's voice is actually, uh, you can actually understand it. By the end of the call, the call, the quality on the Skype line is kind of down a little bit. But I still love the show, and it's awesome. And uh, Dan's still garbage, and Cat still has a cheesy vagina, and she loves her vagina hanging like a wizard sleeve. So what a do, Cat. What up, Mike? And Dan, I guess I'll say what up to you, too. So, uh, yeah, good show, guys. Keep it up. And, uh, love it. You fucking douche! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.